Welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two middle-aged geek dads. I'm David Moore, and I brave the world of dance and flags to watch my daughter compete in the Winter Guard State Finals, uh, which they play second in, uh, missing first by mere tenths of a point. Uh, it was an amazing season, and Nationals is next week. Very, very cool. I am Ken Nyquist, and I am playing entirely too much, far, far too much uh, Horizon Forbidden West. I would tell you that I could stop at any time, but that is not true. Today, we have another former overlord of the secret player, Chris Johnson. Uh, he's a, also a middle-aged geek dad like ourselves, former podcaster, all-around great dad. Over the years, we've occasionally heard stories at his game table. Uh, of his game table and his family's exploits, and we wanted to bring him in uh, to talk about gaming with family and bringing up children who game. So welcome, Chris. Good evening. Happy to be here. It doesn't feel like a trap yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a trap. That's Totally not a trap. That's the way it's been designed. Lull you <laughs> in. Yeah, no one knows. The best traps don't, right? Yes, this is true. This is very, very true. Just ignore like the mechanical arms and the right. big metal claws and all that good stuff. All the That's shiny things. Because the there is no trap. Just go for the <laughs> shiny things. Yep. <laughs> so why don't we like begin at the beginning, right? So how did you get started gaming with your kids? Um. Well, actually, my son wanted to play D&D really badly and we had uh, a couple of neighbor kids that were about the right age and so i decided to to take them through like the dnd beginners like the beginner set the lost was it lot the lost minds of fandelver yeah uh and it was hilarious so we had my son and we had <laughs> uh uh our neighbor who's been, who's been living next door since my son was very very small and then we had a relatively new neighbor and uh his stepbrother were had joined us and so we played it was a it was a summer game it was great the kids would come over just completely devour like i've never sat at a table where uh, a, a bag of doritos got opened and before i could even think about eating a dorito <laughs> they were gone right i mean they were just they would just inhale these snacks but they you know they came up with great characters they they had a lot of fun unfortunately uh you know we didn't get as far as I would have liked. I would have liked to take them through the entire adventure, but um, summer's only so long. And when you're dealing with, uh, you know, it's it's hard. You think it's hard to schedule things with adults, and wouldn't it be easier if we were all just kids? And it turns mm -hmm. out, not 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 really. No. You know, especially <laughs> if you've got, especially if you've got kids who are from, you know. They're stepbrothers, and so one kid's got to be with one set of parents on one week. So it would, yeah. scheduling became very, very much a challenge for us. And but we had a blast while we were able to play. And then the school year started up again, and they've got everybody's got their activities. My son's in, you know, marching band and orchestra, and he wasn't at the time, but he was, you know, they all of the kids had activities, and, and one of them was a little bit older, and you know, he's I think he's graduating school this year. That's not fair. But anyway, <laughs> from there, that kind of put the bug in with my son, and he wanted, he really wanted to play some more. So we said, well, what if we got a family game together? And so it was, um, we started well before the pandemic hit, and it was myself as the DM, my son, my wife, 
um, our niece and nephew and our niece's boyfriend. And so we had kids in the range of early twenties to to kind of approaching mid teens when we were when we were there. Plus my wife and I, uh, you know, both in our forties, and we started with um, the Sunless Citadel, and we played that adventure all the way through. And it was kind of amazing to me because, you know, here's these kids and they, they latch onto stuff. And there was an NPC um, gnome named Erky Timbers in that adventure that you run across and you free when you're in the, in the, in the Sunless Citadel. And they okay. latched onto him. They loved that character so much um, that they, he's got his own theme song, which appears, <laughs> they sing Fantastic. it. He's, He's we're not on that adventure anymore. We haven't seen that character, but this theme song pops up once at least once every time we get together. Um, we killed two of their characters. Mm. Uh, my, my wife's character and my nephew's character both decided at the same time to go down this, uh, to descend this 80 foot high shaft on ropes and both failed their just miserably failed their their oh, no. uh, agility <laughs> roles and so they both plummeted and i start adding like i'm looking at the rules and it's like you're doing x number of damage x number you know points of damage per 10 foot of the drop and i i just grabbed this handful of dice and it was terrible and i rolled it and they were both like <laughs> splat right yep um so <clears throat> that kind of <laughs> was a big uh-oh ending to one of our uh one of our sessions and then we 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 kind of the next week um introduced their replacement characters and you know it, we we did a little wiggling got them in and uh so but we finished the sunless citadel and then we started on the curse of strahd and we got a goodly way into the curse of strahd and then COVID hit and mm. we weren't able to get together any because this would be literally every week at our house we would order a boatload of takeout because as previously <laughs> mentioned these kids can eat a lot of food so kids it'd be like, are piranhas they're they're there so there were to like the wednesday leading up into our friday game would be like what are we going to feed them all right we're going to do chinese <laughs> this week my wife's like i'm going to make chili or we're going to do burgers out on the grill or we're going to order you know literally a hundred dollars worth of chinese food yeah um, spaghetti which is, is actually a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Spaghetti works. Um, pizza. Uh, everybody loves pizza. Um, so COVID hit and I thought about taking the game over into, you know, online and using zoom or discord or whatever. And we decided that no, the curse of straw, the way we were playing it, we wanted to play that game in person. That was going to be the thing. So we put curse of straw on hold, and during the pandemic, we didn't game as much as we would have liked to, but we did start playing what we called Space Heist, which was my taking the cipher system and um, oh, uh, the Stars Are Fire. I think is this is the name of the the space expansion for Cipher. Okay, and we I found a one page, uh, two or three page maybe, uh, little one shot adventure um, that I adapted and then. Once that material ran out, which was literally one session, then I was just <laughs> flying by the seat of my pants. And uh, the great thing about it is is how the kids just are, they're so into it, you know. And 
my niece creates these characters that she, you know they're 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 so much her in them you know there there's so much of their personality comes through my son's just a complete screwball when he creates his character so his space heist character is a guy who fixes doors on board the space station and okay. he is absolutely obsessed with doors and we've had <laughs> long discussions about whether a porthole or a portal or a different is actually a door or not and he's like, of course it's a, and, but the, and they find ways to work these ridiculous quirks into the, the adventure. And it's so much fun when they do. And, and, uh, I found this image of like a Corgi mix, anthropomorphic Corgi mix decked out in body armor, carrying a big old rifle. <laughs> and I thought this is perfect. I need to introduce this as an NPC. And I did, and the kids just lost their freaking minds over this thing. <laughs> and they were like, we need to take him with us. He has to come with us. His name is Kibbles, you know, and he's got to come with us. And he's got to be, you know, and and unfortunately, um, you know, the way my niece is old enough where she's got a job. Actually, she's got two jobs, and she was going to uh, beautician school at the time. And that really started eating things up. So we we kind of faded that off. and then. Everybody got vaccinated. We were able to get back around the table. We're still, I think, probably about two sessions away from finishing Curse of Strahd. And I have no idea what we're going to be doing after that. But there's <laughs> definitely... The, these kids have an appetite for it. They really do. It's it's fantastic. Nice. And it sounds like you played different game systems as well. So, like, like it didn't matter that it wasn't D&D. That they picked yeah. up Cortex system... They yeah the the thing with uh the, yeah they picked up cipher pretty well I I wish I had I mean I, th there were times when I was kind of struggling with it and I know that my wife does not like to learn new systems uh, it's not it's not her favorite thing in the world so mm -hmm. if you could if we could stick with the D and D but the problem is we got into the middle of um this and you know the question of what we're going to play next and i just started going out and buying new systems so i picked up <laughs> you know i picked up scum and villainy and i picked up blades in the dark and i picked up stars without number and i've got the core rule book for pathfinder over here and i've got the starfinder beginner's box and yeah. and i just started just grabbing all of these rpg resources thinking what what can i steal from here and what can we do next? And what kind of thing do we want to do next? So, you know, I've got a, I've got a plan for doing kind of a, a detective noir superhero kind of a, th uh, but but with supernatural stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But it's just a matter of when can we do it? Because we do right. need to finish Curse of Strahd, and those characters need to be you know immortalized in whatever way we can because they're so attached to them now. It's 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 funny. <laughs> nice, nice. That's that's very cool. I think um, I have a somewhat similar experience. I, I uh, like so my gaming group, as we mentioned on previous shows, has been around for a very long time. So we've been playing together for like twenty five years. And cool. so the the plus side of this is that we've all had kids, and our kids finally got to this point where they were all of an age where they would actually want to play D anD D. Right? Like you know, we got this when they were all little. We had to get supersized like D twenty so that like my daughter wouldn't swallow it. Right? Because. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Ice or choking hazards for, you know, two year olds. And so uh, 
my son really wanted to play D and D, and so a couple of the kids in the of like our kids within the gaming group wanted to play. And so for a couple of summers, I think for like two summers, the middle age, middle, middle aged, <laughs> middle school, there was like this kind of nice golden age of like a year or two where we were getting together at least once or twice a month to play. We played, uh, we were playing keep on the borderlands and, um, and you know, with some, some heavy editing here and there. And the funniest thing, the thing that I enjoyed the most about that, like this, the things where they would surprise me is they would get, like you were saying with like they pick up on a thing and they just run with it. So there were goats. I had thrown away like there was this throwaway like, hey, there's this guy in town in the keep and he is he's selling his goats. And, he, and like, so is there goat milk? Like, uh, yeah, there's goat. Well, we want a goat milk shake. Right. And I want to play with the goats. And so it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, OK. And so like there were it became entire like sidetracks that revolved around this goat farmer and his yeah. herd, because then like, you know, the goblins attack and they have this emotional hook to these goats. But honestly, at the end of the day, like we spent a session where it were like half of it was dedicated to different kinds of root beer that they wanted to brew themselves and like goat milkshakes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The thing is that, that they pick up on and you're sitting there as you're supposed to be running this for them. You know, you are <laughs> the overlord, right? And you're like, that is not the thing that we're right. focusing <laughs> on right now. And the 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 crazy stuff that they do with Curse of Strahd, especially, my wife plays the cleric and she's like the moral compass. And anytime they split the party and Agruna the cleric is not with certain mem other members of the party it's gonna get crazy because they're gonna just <laughs> she's not there she's not t there to tell them don't you know you, that when you are with a group you have to have somebody telling them do not try to jump over the fire right don't jump <laughs> over the please don't jump over the campfire that's the agruna is the adult my wife is the adult i'm just sitting back here going you guys do whatever you're going to do. Um, you're derailing the living crap out of everything. That I, you know, you sit and you plan for an hour or more and you watch as everything you've carefully, like I've got it all planned and then step two, boom, left yep. turn and they're gone. Yep. One of the things that I, I find interesting about how you, you both are explaining it is like, <clears throat> the kids are distracted in a good way by yeah, non-combat yeah. things. Mm -hmm. Whereas like yes. when we grew up, uh, like, and, and still today a lot, like with D and D and stuff, um, something I've mentioned before in the show is like a lot of game systems, their central focus is on combat. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet I'm really interested and, and glad to see that like a lot of kids, and by kids, you know, I, I heard you say it earlier, Chris was like, you included the 20 year old in the kid category that tells <laughs> yeah. you how old we are, you know, yeah. when you consider a 20 year old, a kid, but like, you know, it, it's cool to see a younger generation of gamers coming up without the extra baggage that admittedly did start this hobby, but without the you know, um, uh, the tabletop wargaming aspect right. attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's I mean, very true. I, it, what's, what's actually interesting to me now is my son has just 
started to kind of scratch the surface of Warhammer mm. with in, but just mm. in terms of the collecting of the figures and the painting of the figures, and he's not quite into it enough where you know he's really super serious about it. But my nephew and my niece's boyfriend, they love the figures and they love painting the figures. And if they had more time and the ability to get together more often, I think they would kind of draw my son into that. And it would be a little bit of a different story with Warhammer in my house. He's got one set and he's got some paints and he keeps say, saying that he wants to paint these and he hasn't gotten that far. So it's not that serious, but if he spent enough time with them, mm -hmm. I know that they've done a lot of painting. I know that, uh, my niece's boyfriend has 3D printers and he prints out minis and whatnot. So Does he, that, that would be a big thing. Is he interested in the mini painting or is he interested in like the sci-fi and the Warhammer like backstory and stuff? Like I think that? he's, I think more the former than the latter for okay. now. He hasn't actually played, um, but to, to kind of reverse a little bit, um, the, the, you know, they get off on these tangents and they're, they're kind of pursuing harmless things one minute, but then the next minute it's like, Oh no, you're doing a war crime right now. Yeah, you are little, literally <laughs> the things that you want to do right now. Little ultra violence. Prisoner, you have a prisoner, uh -huh. and you have cut off his arm and you're, you're carrying him with you and your, your, your orc barbarian, half orc barbarian has the arm attached to his belt as a way of taunting your prisoner and your tiefling sorcerer just told the rogue to cut off his other arm because he didn't like a thing he was doing. You're doing a war crime while everybody, <laughs> while your cleric is distracted outside because the undead are coming for you in the, in the cabin in the woods or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, it's not all rainbows. Of, yeah, exactly. It's a <laughs> yeah. bit of a mix of, Oh, that's kind of cute and funny that you're doing that. That is genuinely terrible. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you I think, um, so I, Sorry, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to, really short, I, you should introduce uh, your son to uh, Hero Forge, which allows him to create minis that can be oh, he knows purchased and, okay, and printed he's out. Well, yeah. He's gotcha. well aware of gotcha. exists. <laughs> All right. So I was gonna, what I was going to say is my other, uh, my other group that I've, I've been playing in for like the last four or five years is every summer we go to Lake Champlain um, with family friends. And uh, we've been doing this since my son was uh, two and a half and his friends who are twins were also two and a half. So I think as I, I think I may have mentioned this before, like this was a terrible idea, <laughs> like going to an island with no running water um, uh, with three toddlers and a five-year-old was like, it was great at the time. We look back on it and go, it was a great experience. And so, yes, what we were thinking was it was a great experience and blah, blah, blah. But like, it's an awful lot of diapers to have <laughs> on an island <laughs> that you have to transport back off. Right. But anyway, we've been doing this since they've been two and a half and they've all yeah. collectively gotten into Dungeons and Dragons over the last couple of years. And so we started playing D and D on the island. And so we would play like, you know, I think it took us two years to get through Forge of Fury um occasionally they'll come up here we'll go down there and like i've run a couple of other games for them um and they were much more um traditional in their dndness right i think they were it was and forge of fury is a very it's like the follow-up to the sunless citadel like classic third edition module um and it's a it's a nice delve right and and so because of that i think they were there was less of those role-playing opportunities and more of kind of a traditional going from room to room and solving for a particular trap and i thought after that i started doing just kind of like a 
let's see. I think we started doing we started new characters and we started some new one shots set in like the Sword Coast. And um, the interesting thing, given some more role playing opportunities, like I started to try and put moral conundrums in front of them, and they had gotten used to the idea that you just go out and like kill the giants. Right. And I think I can't remember, David, if you and I talked about this on the podcast or if we just talked about it on the side, but like there was a moral choice that they could make. Like they could and the and the like, like yeah, and the giants were coming down and they were raiding the farms for chickens and then taking them back up the hill. But the reason why they were doing that was because they all had colds and uh they heard that like if you eat chickens, it makes you feel better. <laughs> And some farmers got in the way, right? And so, you know, one solution is, well, we killed the giants. That solved the problem. Um, but, you know, they could have, like, made chicken soup. They could have, like, talked with the, with the giants or what have you. And we kind of got to the end of that session. And there were some, you know, not horrific consequences, but there were some consequences where, like, I think the druid who had sent them on the quest was like, well, you know, there were other options. And they're like, what do you mean? And then they started feeling a little bad about it. And it was interesting to kind of put that moral quandary before them. And they were like 13 when this happened, I think, you know, to see them start mo moving away from just traditional dungeon crawl into, um, into like, Hey, here's some interesting story stuff, right? You're not just out killing monsters. So in your experience, Chris, like what, what worked and what didn't? Um, I find, and it's part of it is me and part of it is, you know, this particular family group, especially, um, I find that the more that I think I'm prepared for a thing, <laughs> like there were, there were weeks where I, you know, I had so much prep done ahead of time and I'm like patting myself on the back, good job, you're great. And then just to watch it kind of go, what just happened here? But <laughs> I think what I've learned is, is prep for the start of the session. Don't try to prep for the middle or the end. Don't, for God's sake, don't try to plan where a session's going to end because it's never going to be there. But make the start of the session as memorable and interesting and cool as possible. And then, you know, have sketches or, you know, if they decide to go this way or that way or, you know, some branching stuff is is great to have. Uh, but invariably, they're going to go the one way that you didn't plan for. And you're going to be scrambling on, all right, I didn't give this NPC a name. And I don't, I, I didn't actually read what this, and Curse of Straw, by the way, is a terrible, terrible, once you get into Castle Strahd, that is a freaking <laughs> nightmare to navigate. And Dense. I the it it there's so many rooms and the and the way that they're supposed to find Strahd and the and the things. Uh and and you know you have to let go of the way that you would do it. Like I'm imagining as the DM, if I were in this party. And I've set forth this <laughs> tableau before me. I'm going to investigate every nook and cranny of this particular room. And I'm going to find the secret door. And we're going to go behind the organ. And, and I was like, oh, but there was wine there. So now the half-orc is drunk. And, <laughs> you know, and the, and, and, you know, and it just, it goes off the rails so quickly. And they have walked, like, right past so many things that I'm like, oh, it's going to be so cool. 
<laughs> you know, it's like, oh, come on. Like, no, they're, they're not looking for secret doors. They're, they're not, you know, it's, I mean, they're literally find Strahd. And if he's not in this room, get to the next room and the next room and the next room. And, oh, I don't want to go down that hallway because there's too much water in the sunken crypt kind of a thing. It's like, yeah, but that's, that's where he is. It's... Please go that way. Right. Please go that <laughs> No, they turn around and they go right back at the system. What are you doing? So prep the beginning. Do not get too hung up on, on where they're going to go uh, and, and be ready to change things. Like, canonically, according to the Taroka reading that they did 80 sessions ago, Strahd <laughs> is supposed to be here. And I'm like, there's, I'm, I'm coming to the realization that I'm just going to have to throw Strahd at them at some point. They're just going to have to, it's like, he's like, oh, he, this, uh, he, you know, occupado, I'm in here. Oh, and, you know, knock on the door. It's a restroom. No, nope, Strahd's in there. And he comes out and there's the big bed. You know, I don't know how it's going to go down, but it might have to be that way because they're never going down in that sunken crypt because they, they're, because for one thing, two of their characters are too short for the amount of water that's in there. <laughs> nice. Nice. So I, I think, you know, uh, I believe we've ruminated on this before, but uh, everything old is new again because you're here. Um, you know, the thing that I found, uh, particularly with the summer game, but really it, it, with all of the cases is like they don't get the cliches and the, and the tropes and all of the stuff that we've been steeped in right. for the last like 40 years. Right. And so the idea that there might be a secret door behind the Oregon, Oregon, not Oregon, Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Natalie, how's it going? The Pacific uh, West is the Pacific Northwest is loaded with secret doors. Yep, it's totally. Yep. You and go Matt's to Oregon, you go to Portland, right? Yep. And you're just yep. Nobody oh, walks yeah. on the street. They're just going from like secret door to secret door, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. But you know, they don't they don't necessarily even get the trope that a secret door mm -hmm. is behind an organ, yeah. right? Because maybe they haven't played enough Clue. Yeah. Um, my kids have played Clue, although it was, I think it was Harry Potter Clue, so it yeah. wasn't even, like, proper Clue. But, you know, like, the movies, right? Like, you know, growing up watching Conan, and uh, my kids, of course, were raised properly and watched Lord of the Rings, but uh, it's been a bit, you know? Mm -hmm. But I don't know that they internalized it in the same way that my son uh, and my daughter internalized Zelda, right? Like, well, when they're reminiscing about the classics, right, they're reminiscing about Twilight Princess. <laughs> right. Or Pokemon Mystery Dungeon or something. Right. Um, yeah. Right. You know, it it's also interesting, like secret doors were a big thing when, you know, right. I was young and, you know, in oh, my man. teens, it was just like a huge thing. It's like, you know, one of the special abilities of being an elf, you know, the both class and race in basic Dungeons and Dragons was if you pass by a secret door, you have a one in six chance of just finding it, you know. Secret doors aren't really a thing in fifth edition D and D that often, and it, they're definitely not right. stressed uh, by giving right. giving someone like a native ability to just find them immediately. Um, but how right. cool is it when you were a kid and you know you're younger and you're playing D and D and you're the map guy and you've got your graph paper and you yeah. get to write that S <laughs> over that one line that you yeah. look like a wall or there's an yeah or discovering hey there's a big gap in this area let's yeah, look exactly. for that let's look see if there's a secret yeah. door into some place so I mean you probably did the same thing in your earlier. D&D &D, uh, adventuring that I'd, you go into a room 
you check for traps every inch of the, and then you're looking for secret doors, you know? I mean, that's, that's what it said to do in the manual. You do those things (laughs) before you leave any room. You have checked for traps, you have checked for secret doors, and then you go on, right? Yeah. And all the classic dungeons assume like have traps, have things oh, yeah. like they're assuming you're going to find them. I did like the sinister secret of Salt Marsh, which was completely lethal. I've had so many conversations with people about like how first edition characters are superheroes in Dungeons and Dragons, and like they're they're you know they're invulnerable. Like I killed so many PCs. This was with my gaming group, not with the kids, um, because like one of the things you have to like reach into a chimney and find a like a loose brick and because we're all gamers and like you know we know what to do because we've you know been doing this for 30 years of course they go in and they pull out the brick well what happens giant swarm comes out and just like stings the guy to death (laughs) because that's what you do in a first edition module you pull out a brick and you die and they just haven't had those experiences nor do i think it sounds like we subjected them to them and yet in the in the initial group that i started with with the neighborhood kids I had one kid who was totally obsessed about how many arrows he had. And literally after every battle we went into, he would ask me, all right, now how many of those arrows that I shot and that they shot, can I pick up? Mm-hmm. Very, very, <laughs> oh. very uh, uh, focused on their equipment and, and oh, yeah. making he was sure they wouldn't run out. Minded. Things like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was not running out of arrows because it was literally, if, if an arrow got shot, whether he shot it or not, he wanted to know if he could pick it up at the end. Pick it up, yeah, yeah. So I was doing. I was doing a lot of dice rolling to see. All right, well, did it break? You know, fifteen arrows were. Yeah, four of them were broken, and and six of them are lost. So yeah, exactly. Yep. Was there anything that that straight up didn't work? They're like, wow, yeah, this is just a like that. Imploded. Other than <laughs> other than prepping for the session. Yeah, too yes, much. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, like I think standard things that we would think is normal, but like for them was just like, I don't know. Well, I don't know about anything like that. I think again, I'm going to go back on Curse of Strahd and I made the mistake of thinking that I could take it. And let me see, how old was my son when we started playing? He was probably 13. He's 16 now. Um, so he was probably 13, 12 years old when we started playing. When we started playing Curse of Strahd would have been 2019, so he would have been 13 years old. Um, my nephew is, is 16 months older than he is. Um, my wife is just uh, around the same age as I am. And, of course, like I said, my niece is uh, in was at the time in her late, late, late teens. And um, I thought, well, we're going to make a good old form. I mean, there's gonna it's gonna be moody, and it's gonna be you know there's gonna be horrible things, and at, and at times it was, and at times you know I think I actually managed to kind of squick them out a little bit, but maintaining that when you've got a group that will literally do a sing on sing along every <laughs> single session, they're looking for an excuse to sing. We have I am not exaggerating. We were uh, uh, one of our more recent sessions. We were, I don't even remember what happened because I mentioned the freaking moon. And the next <laughs> thing I know, they're all singing along to that's amore. I was just going to say, I remember you telling just, me about that one. And then, you when know, the moon's in the sky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also, uh, 
what's the seal song? Kiss, kiss from a rose. Yeah. Every session. Yes. Every session. <laughs> because, uh, because of the, because at any time I mention a tower, you know, and they're like, boom. And they go, so it's a little bit difficult to maintain, uh, that kind of creepy horror, eerie vibe. You get a you get moments of that, mm-hmm. but you, 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 they're fleeting. And you can't just maintain this. They're going to find ways, and they've brought enough of their personality into the characters that they're going to find ways to amuse both themselves and the the characters. Uh, so, just playing like a grim dark with this particular group straight up ain't going to work. And I realized, and I've had this conversation with Chris Miller, um, and that's that it's okay with me because. As a player, I there's only there's only a certain level of seriousness that I can bring to that, and you've played with me now enough that you probably realize that you know when we when we play in our scum and villain, you know, it's it, you play a lime green mechanical that punches yeah, exactly, and so. it's a dance. I'm, I play a dance, a dance robot. I play a, dance a little robot. Yeah. little dance fighting robot. And, uh, and in my previous game, you know, I played the bard and I was just, it was comic relief. And I, I, I realized that, you know, there's enough, there's enough horrible crap that goes on in our world <laughs> without right. me dragging it into a role-playing game. And I yep. need a little comic relief, right? I, I kind of want to see one of two things happen in your Curse of Strahd game, or at least hear about it, is either they defeat Strahd while doing a sing-along, or get Strahd to join in their sing-along. I'll tell you a couple of... <laughs> now that, that, that's a challenge. I'll like an operatic, sort of. <laughs> yeah. You know, I screwed up a couple of times in I was not playing Strahd to his fullest. So we've had some encounters with Strahd. And because Strahd has always backed off those encounters, now we've got the characters, particularly the bard and the barbarian, um, and the rogue to a, a slightly, slightly lesser extent, are convinced that Strahd is afraid of them and that he's mm. a whip. And so the image they've gotten of Strahd. <laughs> has become like they now see him as Zach Galifianakis and you don't want your big baddie to be thought of <laughs> by your players as Zach Galifianakis. That's not helping anybody. Right. Right. Oh, it's they're <laughs> ridiculous. It's so much fun, but they are absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So one of the things that was interesting about my my gaming groups, the the, the kids D and D game I was playing with my gaming group, was that fully half of the kids were girls, because um, I guess fifty fifty split, right? And oh, no, so we actually right. had a fifty fifty split. So we had three boys and three girls, and it was great. Like, um, I don't, I don't think that I even played with a girl at the table until I went to college. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, well, I mean, in the eighties, like there weren't girls who were playing. Like I was not finding the girls who were playing D and D until I got to college or Cthulhu yeah. or vampire. Or but we were also raised in an era where marketers decided that certain toys were for boys and certain toys were yes. for girls. Yeah. And even though 
the magazine advertisements with Dungeons and Dragons had a girl or two in it, it was definitely targeted at boys. Yeah. And, and like the, all the groups that I were in were fairly open uh, and would have allowed just about anybody in. Cause we were all geeks and, and such. Um, but I know of a few groups that were fairly gatekeepy, you know, um, yeah. no, and I can that totally was see not it. cool. Um, and yeah. I know a lot of girls actually also got scared out of D and D groups because they were the lone girl and every guy was trying to hit on them as part of gaming. Yes. Which was also yes. a problem. Yeah. I'll bet. Yes. So, the so I think, so, sorry, what I was, was going to say is I, so I think to pat ourselves on the back a little bit, uh, I think we did good because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the girls grew up watching us, the boys and the girls grew up yeah. watching us play D and D. It was just a part of their lives. And so when the time came, they're like, Hey, I want to do that. And we're like, yeah, sure. What do you want to play? And so one of the kids, uh, she really, her, her, her hook was animals, right? Cool. You're going to be a Druid. Here's your animal companion. Like we simplified the rules some so that she could do it. Cause she was the youngest of the group. Um, she was also the most into it. She like she was completely oh, yeah. intense, which was yeah. super. Du- I mean, she was nine, I think, while the rest of them were like twelve and thirteen, and she was like, "We're not stopping." <laughs> we're, like the rest of the kids are going to go outside and play. She's like, "Oh no, we're not stopping." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so so in, say. <laughs> in the in the family game, you know, in the in the first game, it was all boys, and 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 then myself running it. In the family game, we've got my wife and we've got my niece, um, but can to kind of reflect on what you just said, if there is one person around the table who is like the most into it, it is definitely my niece. She is definitely like, I don't want to say takes it the most seriously, but in a way it is. I mean, she really gets into the whole thing and, and uh, she's the tiefling sorcerer. And uh, so, you know, it's fire, fire, fire all the time. Uh, so she's incredibly <laughs> effective in combat, but also, you know, there's a lot going on character wise there that, that I get to, to play around with. Um, and then, you know, with my wife at the table, she has actually played, uh, you know, she played much more D and D in college around that age than I did. She, I did not, um, she went to Bowling Green State University uh, and she stayed in the dorms while when I was in college, I was living at home and community commuting to college. So I didn't have that dorm experience. So she was in gaming groups pretty much through her, her, uh, time at college. And so she's much more experienced with D and D than I am. So she's kind of an old hand. It's just a matter of, you know, getting used to the latest iteration of it. So she, you know, crank can crank out a character you know, no time flat. And she, she also takes it pretty seriously. She's got a good background and, and her current character is, uh, the, the sister of her original character who died in Sunless Citadel. So I get to play with that a little bit. So when, when <laughs> I do need a moment of horror, I get to, you know, kind of project her brother into a scene and make sure that she knows that he 100% blames her, at least within uh barovia <laughs> he blames her for his death and she could have saved him and all this this uh but yeah she does she does get into it and she's the one i think who is most driven 
to finish the adventure. Now, whether that's because she's just getting tired of <laughs> going through the castle with these bozos, I, I couldn't <laughs> say. But uh, she's definitely propelling it forward. And uh, so from a, from a character perspective, they're all very well fleshed out. But I think my niece and my wife have the most meat on the bone when it comes to uh, just building that character. Very cool. My my son's bard is this is the son of snail slime farmers. That's his whole shtick, you know. And the, and the half orc was raised by wolves, and the 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 rogue is a half elf. Um, and this is a weird bit about this game. The rogue is played by my niece's boyfriend. The rogue is female, but has a beard. And I don't understand, and it's a half-elf, and I don't understand how that works out in terms of, you know, what's going on there, but that's the whole thing. And so the the kind of defining character trait about that is the rogue has a beard and is attracted to other people with beards. And so anytime the rogue is interacting, I have to answer the question, well, does this person have a beard? And is it a nicer beard than my own? And this, that, okay. and the other thing. Okay. And so, it, yeah. Maybe it's half, half elf, there. half dwarf. Perhaps. I don't, I, 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 I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't. Maybe it's a genetic I, I condition. gave them a lot of leeway in terms of, like, we're not strictly going, like, there's no strict geography. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of conversations about, well, where is Barovia? In terms of like, if you mapped it out, and what mm. what is the and like, <laughs> no, don't care. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm not sure where exactly they were when they got into Barovia. I just know how I got them there, and I'm not sure where they're going to be when they get out, and what the next adventure is, <laughs> and you know whether we've we have completely screwed with Watsi canon or not. It's okay because right. it is very prescriptive. It, you read the Curse of Strahd, you read, it and it's like. There are two possible outcomes for Curse of Strahd. They beat him or they don't. And here are the things. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's great. That's not how I'm playing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's one of the things that that I I like to see now is and and was true for me way back then is like modules are a guideline, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're sources of inspiration. And you might play through a module, but only rarely have I run or played in a module and we actually stuck to the whole thing. And that's, that was a mistake that I made early on. And Ken, you were asking about mistakes that I made early on. I was expecting and planning to hew very closely to the module. And, you know, there are very specific things that, and if you really want to get the most out of the module, I mean, I bought the the guides to running the thing and the this and the that, and it's like they're great and all, um, but it's a lot to keep in the old noggin, right? I mean, it's not a oh, small yes. book, oh, yes. and there's mm-hmm. so much lore and there's so much background and there's so much to forget in any given moment that you should oh the 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 Vistani or the this and that, and they should really know this, that, and the other thing. And if you don't have it down and you're making it up at the seat of your pants, you're really contradicting the source left, right, and sideways as you're going through this. And I did that a lot. And it's like, oh, and I, and I 
caught myself wanting to retcon a previous session. And at that point, it's like, you need to let go a little bit of this. You need to let go just because you veered significantly away from the source. <laughs> be creative enough to be able to, you know, make it work. I mean, there's a certain sense, uh, Ken and I had talked about, uh, there was a, uh, a game where, uh, uh, Judd Carlman, who was part of Sons of Cryos years ago, uh, was running in Forgotten Realms and he knew Forgotten Realms, but his players really knew Forgotten Realms. Yeah. And so like, how do you game for a, a how do you run for a group like that? And like you don't adhere to the canon, you know, or you make it your own, which is sounds like what you're doing. Uh, like one of the things that they did was the very first session, they're going into the Vale where Elminster lives, you know, the, the iconic wizard of the realms, and they find him crucified at the entrance to the veil. Nice. And it's like, this is not your dad's, uh, you know, never winter nights sort of thing. This is not your yeah. dad's, uh, veil, uh, et cetera. And, and so, <laughs> you know, it's like everything from here, you know, up is down, left is right. The sky is purple. Um, you know, and anything goes from that point on. Yeah, it's, it's great that you've read the source. It's not going to help you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's still the flavor though is still <laughs> there, yeah. but anything after that, you know, if, if you think, you know, what's going to happen after this, all that's off the table. And it sounds like, you know, you're using as long as you can kind of remember the things that you did make up that are contradictory to the canon and still keep, keep that going. So there's a little bit of verisimilitude for your group. Um, and it doesn't break their suspension of disbelief. I think you're golden. One thing that I do at the start of every session before we actually get underway, that has been an incredible help to me. And it's been fantastic is that I ask one of the players to give me a recap of what happened the session before. Mm -hmm. And my wife is taking notes the whole time. So it, her hers are very kind of linear and because she's literally looking at her notes. Um, and my niece is also taking notes, but hers are a little bit more freeform. So I get a little bit of a different experience if I ask her. And then if I ask my nephew, I will get the <laughs> saga. And he's not written any of it down. He just knows it he's absorbed it that much he's so into it that he will give me the saga and of course he gives it from his perspective where his character the half-orc barbarian is you know he's the leader he is the father <laughs> figure he is the baddest of badasses and he's just the best there is and it's so funny to to have him bring that particular and just on purpose bring that particular perspective to it but he also remembers stuff that i completely forget because i'm very bad about writing stuff down while i'm running the game <laughs> it's not easy to keep up to with all of it. <laughs> you got other stuff to do so sometimes i make a note that i need to remember a thing but more often than not i don't and my my nephew will come up with these the like little details that I had completely forgot about, like, oh, that is actually incredibly helpful to me right now. And I'm so glad you're the one doing the recap. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's I, I also like using uh, when I'm able to get my my group to buy in with that and, and give me a good recap. It also shows me like what they found important out of the last adventure. Absolutely, yes. And and what I can use, like if I'm running a sandboxy type game, like what can I use from that recap in future adventures? Because they remembered it so vividly, I can then use that as a plot point or what or uh, a character have that character return or whatever uh in a future game i made the mistake of using a uh one of the i don't remember if it was an npc name in a book in the book or if i used a random generator but i named an npc that they ran into on the road and who became important to for one two sessions he was important but i named him dennis D-E-N-I-T-H. Mm-hmm. That was a bad thing. Uh-oh. Because, <laughs> because they heard Dennis said with a lisp and oh. ran with it. And so oh. Dennis turned out to be a werewolf and he had been bitten. And so it was like, Dennis is very suspicious. I think he might be a lycanthrope. You know, and it, it was it, it, <laughs> something is wrong with God. Dennis. You know, and it just went <laughs> It was terrible and hilarious all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they will do that. They like oh, they love intimidate roles. Oh my gosh, do they love intimidate roles? They, so they, we got people at home who are are maybe thinking about you know gaming with their own next generation of gamers. Do, so do you have a, some advice on how to get started? Um, I I would say. Um, start with, start small. Um, you know, the Sunless Citadel for us was a really good, uh, chunky size. It wasn't too big. It wasn't too involved. Um, Lost Minds of Fandelver would have been a great way, even with this group. The only reason I didn't run, um, uh, my family group through Lost Minds of Fandelver is because my son had already seen part of it with the other group. Um, Mm -hmm. so that, like, start small and be willing to improvise and just you know don't don't box them in with the rules um i I find that the more time i spend because i'm not by any stretch of the imagination an expert when it comes to the fifth edition rules and i have a player who knows the rules much 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 better than i do particular particularly how to um play combat in such a way that like he's totally min maxing it and and you know uh to the point where it's like oh come on really how much how much damage are you gonna do this turn just (laughs) okay i get it eight thousand damage yeah exactly but be willing to flub things not necessarily dice rolls but that's that's sometimes a necessity um but flub rules just like i Anytime grappling comes up as an example, it's a nightmare. <laughs> so it's just like just making a post. But it's check. easier in getting. fifth edition than it yeah, used sure, to be. whatever. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> but if it if it if it comes to a point where you don't know a rule, the rule of cool is always the way to go. Just make yes. it cool. Yeah, and, I, yes. uh, I think um, holding attention is a is a thing. You know, with mm-hmm. with yes. some of the younger groups. 
Um, some of the older groups too. So yeah, like going with rule of cool or this is how we're going to play it this time. And we'll look up the rule later. Yeah, absolutely. Is another way I've done it too. Yeah. yeah I have started sessions, you know, as we set, cause there's always half an hour of eating before we begin. And I've started sessions with, okay, here are a couple of things that we did wrong last session. And I'd like to propose that we do a little bit differently if we run into this situation again, just mm-hmm. so that nobody's caught off guard that it's like, but that's not the way we did it before. It's like, yeah, we did it before we did it that way before to keep it moving. And that was the right thing to do at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I think my, my advice, um, cause I, I started with younger gamers. I think, you know, like I said, I think I'd have to go back and look at my Nuketown posts. Cause I, I know I did a couple of, of gaming with kids posts over the years. And so, like maybe eight to 12 was our range. Right. Uh-huh. And so the, the challenge we were running into uh, first, we, we, I think they all started with pregens or a character yeah. that like a, yeah. a, a dad sat down and helped them make, but kept it mechanically simple, right? Like yeah. you can, you can get into some pretty complex characters in fifth edition that have all these kind of cool things like the, the, uh, the strategist style fighter in fifth edition, like you get combat maneuvers and you can like give this guy a free action and this person can attack. If you like, you know, sneeze the right way, um, <laughs> too much <laughs> right. focus on yeah. like swinging your sword, shooting your bow, having good conversations. And then I think the rest came, right? So the kids who were into it, um, Within a couple of sessions, like my son was like, I want to roll up my own character um, with our, our summertime game after our summer three, like two of the guys, two of the boys were super into making their own characters. Now they're buying the rule books. They're customizing. I want to play a druid. I'm switching. We just like bring them in at a higher level. Right. Other character, other guy, he's still running, running the same pregen, just leveling up every time. Right. Like easy peasy. I will say that we, when we started Sun Citadel, I, when you mentioned pregens, I do remember that we started with pregens, and for the most part, they're still playing those pregen characters. My wife is not, my nephew is not, because those characters died. But they have <laughs> taken those characters splatted at the bottom of a of a of a of a ship. Um, but they have taken those characters and they have made them all their own, and they're level ten or eleven now. So um, you know they've really had a chance to go in there and hone them and make them what they wanted to be. And it wasn't like it was just, here's your characters. I'm giving, I asked them, what do you want to play? I will get a pre-gen character for you. So uh, my niece said, tiefling sorcerer, you know, my nephew wanted to play this. My son wanted to play that. So it wasn't like they were going in cold with a, with no say in things whatsoever, just to speed things up. I literally went online to a website and I, that lets you do that. Say, I want a level one, such and such bard or what have you. And that, that's what they got. And then they've, you know, in over the course of nine or 10 levels, they have made those characters their own. Very cool. Yeah. I think the other, the other thing that I learned, and I think it's particularly appropriate for us of, a, of, of our age, I think um, it might be actually different for people who are gaming with their kids. If they're in like their early forties or late thirties or something like that. Um, I found that we needed breaks. So I, I guess my, my overall advice is they are not us or they yeah. are not me. Yeah. Right. And so I think, um, 
I think we were we were pretty good about this, but there was something of a disconnect. Like you watch Stranger Things, and there's this idea that a bunch of people are going to get together in a basement, and you're going to play D and D for eight hours in a row because that's what I did when I was a kid. Yeah, right. Like we actually played lunchtime in the cafeteria, but when we would get together after school, we'd play for three or four hours, and we wouldn't stop because we were just head down into the dungeon, rolling dice, having a blast. Right. The our kids were not like that. They need breaks, yeah. right? So we would play for an hour, hour and a half. We would stop. They would go outside, burn off some energy, come in. Maybe we'd only go for another hour. Maybe we'd only go for another 45 minutes. Um, but it was like, read. it's like any group, but more so, like read the room, <laughs> yeah. right? Like if they're not focused, if they're not paying attention, if they're poking each other with pencils and throwing dice at each other, uh, as David was saying, like get their attention somehow or say, hey, you know what? Like maybe we just need to take a break and that's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we when, know. when we grew up, we had three, maybe four channels. Um, right. <laughs> no internet. To do. <laughs> no internet. Our phone hung on the wall. Yeah. Um, and you know, outside was outside, and books were the were the super interesting things. So, yeah. you know, being with your friends for eight hours straight was super entertaining, and you know had had its own built-in breaks then yeah, as but well. You, but. Yeah, to your point, you, you weren't in contact with them the way that they can be now. Like, right. you didn't have right. a, a thing that, you know, they're connected on Twitter, they're connected on Facebook and All you know, Snapchat the time. or whatever. Whenever they All want the time. to be. Whenever yeah, they exactly. want to be, right. right. And it was like, sometimes I'm not even allowed to use the phone, right? You know, <laughs> it's... Yeah. Uh, I will say yeah, one so more thing about the group it, it, it's very gratifying and cool to see that like my son has gone on and he has played rpgs with his friends at school separate from our game my niece and my nephew and my niece's boyfriend they game together all the time with addition with their other friends so th this is not the only game that they're in it's the cool. game that we play together it's the game that kind of started them thankfully you know to me it's like that that's kind of a, another pat on the back because that's the game that really kind of started them down the path. But we do hear from them. It's like they play so much more D and D when they're away <laughs> from our table than I even thought possible. It's like how many how many characters and scenarios and whatnot have you run through apart from what we played at this table? You've played so much more D and D than I did. Yep, <laughs> that's fantastic. I think. Um... I think we were on that. I think COVID really, um, really ha put a hamper on a lot of things because we yeah. just, yep, yep, yep. it stopped, right? Like, um, I don't remember exactly. Like, I think we were kind of on a downward trend and like we were trying to game ourselves and like people's schedules were getting crazy and what have you. So there were other reasons, but COVID really was a challenge. And David and I have talked about this before. Like one of the challenges right now is they don't have a person in their group who wants to be the DM. So they're not picking up the ball and carrying it forward just yet. But I think they're going to have that moment. I hope he has that moment. Uh, for that matter, I hope my daughter finds a gaming group at college if she wants to. But uh, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. so that's the key thing, it. right? Like you need somebody to you, you need somebody who um, who wants to run it to for it to be truly self-sustaining. And, you know, hopefully we've given them the skills to do that. Or Sounds like you definitely have. <laughs> or you need to find one of these, you know, GM-less systems. But I don't but know. You have to find the group that yeah. likes that GM-less system as well. Yes. And I found yeah. that that is with GM-less systems and with system. You know, D&D &D is the most popular role-playing game in the world for 
a very good reason. <laughs> you know, it's not that. I mean, it as adults, it seems like it's a huge hassle to get together a group who wants to and can play. But when you're younger, even though there are still challenges, it's not that hard to get together even two or three friends who have heard of D&D and, and are interested in playing it. If right. you're going to throw something like, um, and I can't think of a single GM-less uh, system off the top of the item, a kids on bikes or something like that, where it's a really cool concept and it, and it's, it's more of much more of a collaborative storytelling, but you, everybody needs to, be in and buy into that with with D D, the whole point of having a gm is that really one person needs to know the rules reasonably well in order to get this going and to be able to guide people through it right mm -hmm. with some of these gmless systems i don't think it's quite that easy it's it's you yeah. know there, there's a there's and much more like the burden does become spread around to everybody yeah, and some of those, like, I'd be interested in exploring this idea because a GMless system sounds really cool to me, but I'm into narrative role-playing. Mm -hmm. But there are people who really, part of their enjoyment is just sitting at the table. Every so often, they'll pick up the dice and roll it. I want to roll some dice, yeah. Just, just being, with, being with the group and hearing the story that's going on around them. Yeah and nom nominally being part of it, that's what they enjoy. But if, if they were in a GMless system where they had to do some narration and such like that, they may not be comfortable doing that, yep. you know? Absolutely. So there, there's a little bit of everything for everybody, but you know, I, I agree that D and D grew to its size for a variety of reasons, but having it as kind of the lowest common denominator, not in a pejorative sense, but like being able to say, Hey, I play D and D allows you to get people together and to identify other gamers. And then if you need to go, or if you want to go to other systems, you still have that doorway to, to go through of D and D to reach those other places. Very, very true. So, Chris, any other thoughts before we uh, say goodbye? For now? Uh, no, I, th I think I, I covered just about everything. Anything else would be more of the ridiculous, oh, you scared the guard so much that he literally crapped his pants kind of a thing. And, and yes, that was a thing that happened in our game. And there was a whole, you know, just stupid hilarity with teenagers around mm -hmm. that. I mean, it's just the things that happen just boggle my mind sometimes. And it's so much fun. It's an excellent way to lose middle schoolers for a good 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Every yeah. time. Yeah. And you don't even mean to do it. It's like, okay, poop jokes. Got yeah. it. Done. Right. Yes. Cause you're all 12. I get it. Now. <laughs> just going to roll with it. And sometimes, and sometimes, <laughs> so am I. Yep. Exactly. We were all 12 once, and yep. sometimes exactly. that comes yeah. out. It does. Just embrace your inner 12-year-old folks. You'll get, you'll get much. Or or your inner 15-year-old or your inner 19-year-old. Get yourself yep. into their into their headspace. So, 
Well, very cool. Thank you for joining us, uh, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you have feedback, we love feedback. You can send it to us at podcast at lairofsecrets.com or via Twitter at Lair of Secrets. We stream this live on Twitch so you can get your fix of things early and unedited. We are Lair of Secrets, uh, one word, over on Twitch. You can also visit lairofsecrets.com and leave us feedback because, again, we love feedback, but we don't get that much of it. Um, <laughs> give us feedback, topic ideas, or your own thoughts on what we've talked about. Have a good night, everybody.